1: Take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember
0: the way they were. Hi, Chantelle. Hi, Grania. How are we? I'm very well.
1: And um, Halloween is coming. I'm very excited. <gasps> Do
0: you have any ideas for? Co- are you a costume person? We've discussed this before, but remind me.
1: I, I'm very ambitious, theoretically. Okay. When it comes to actually doing it, I always then get very resentful when I actually have to buy anything, and I always think, "Oh, for God's sake!" And I'm going to wear this once. But I do, I do like Halloween, and my favorite thing about Halloween is reminding people that that yep. is it's an Irish festival and not American. Yep.
0: That's how I know that we've discussed this before, as I've just remembered, <laughs> that I think we've done this twice. I think this is the third time now where, uh, where we discussed that Halloween is an Irish festival. But I think you've often said that Ireland invented it and Americans perfected it, I think, is where we ended up on. So we're both, we both take ownership of that. Yeah, like Joe Biden.
1: We created him and then but, you perfected him. Like the Kennedys. Exactly, exactly. Very as much
0: as a, so. A reason why. How do you feel about purchasing Halloween costumes? Because I very am. I'm very much like, Halloween costume should be something that you pull together. Any anyone can go buy a Parts of the Caribbean costume. There's no skill in that. The skills if you can pull together a Pirates of the Caribbean, I would never do that. But you know what I mean. If you have some scarves yeah. around, make some trousers look like that with the help of tight socks. You know what I mean. That's a costume I appreciate. How do you feel about store bought costumes?
1: I think they're so lame and so embarrassing. And I'll tell you, next level, what I saw this week, somebody on Facebook is doing a clearage and they're selling... The really expensive Halloween costumes that they bought from like five years ago. They've got this Jon Snow costume that they're selling. Oh,
0: that is so, everything about that sentence, they have a Jon Snow costume, just makes me want to die. (laughs) Whatever the character is from the TV show of that year, that is the worst costume idea. And to purchase one for three figures, (laughs) do not do this. Niche. That's the key. Niche. It mm-hmm. should be a detailed thing that only like a few people go, Oh yeah, now I see it. That's the yeah, best kind yeah. of costume.
1: Yeah. Any costume that gets a oh yeah reaction is a good one.
0: That's the dream one. Right. So we've sorted that out onto the show, <laughs> Well you know who I always say, oh yeah, babe. <laughs> oh good one. That was one of your best, you know. That was one of the best.
1: Thank you. The spirit of Dermot O'Leary just took over my body. <laughs> Um, It is our guest, she is gorgeous, she is smart, she is funny, she is amazing. I know her as a legend, you know her as Callie Beaton. The The
0: way way they were.
1: were.
0: Hi Callie.
1: Hi,
2: Grania. Hi, Chantal. Hi, Kelly.
0: How are you? Thanks so much for being here. It's a real
2: pleasure. It's lovely to be seeing you. Looking very glamorous. Very glamorous. Thank you, I try. Please tell our
0: listeners that. It's a visual medium. I
2: cannot even tell your listeners how gorgeous you both look. I think that's what this podcast is most known for. It's just the gorgeousness of its hosts.
0: we're topless. Let's just say it. (laughs) Kelly loves it.
1: (laughs) Can't get enough Um, of it. Speaking of romance... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and we're already in there um, Callie We <laughs> We we consider ourselves a very romantic podcast mm-hmm. do, you, do you consider yourself a romantic? I'm a bit too
2: romantic um, I do Ooh. find that I've sort of or I've lived my whole life Thinking that I'm in some kind of I don't know what era it would be I was a teenager in the 80s So I'm probably quite 80s influenced And I think, you know, Brooke Shields in Blue Lagoon, that kind of vibe. And obviously she and I look very similar. um, And literally spitting image. Yeah, it's amazing. People always said that. The hair mainly. Yeah, the hair. So I think, I mean, I I first fell in love when I was 14 with Nick Young. And I was in love with him for two years. And it was a really exciting, heady romance. And I think I've always been overly romantic. And in the words of Robert Palmer addicted to love
1: wow nothing wrong with that what did teenage Callie think romance like a really like the perfect love story well it was I I used to
2: listen I'm not a Dire Straits fan she said in a way that made it highly suspicious (laughs) because why do people (laughs) start with a sentence like that but I loved that um Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits I Mm -hmm. love that I still Mm -hmm. love that song I love the lyrics and i keep mentioning nick young but it was that era i got to know that song with him and i just think i thought life was about romantic songs romantic movies sort of the excitement i lived in rural dorset the nearest you would get to excitement by some margin was drinking cider smoking a bit of weed and snogging a boy Uh, that was I mean, that still sounds like a good time. Sounds like a sonnet. (laughs) But so I just think for me, it was just always escapism. You know, I was just, I wasn't happy at home. So I was, and I wasn't happy in my own skin. So I was like, let me get into the skin of someone else. This would be cool. So I've always, I just fell in love after love, after love, after love and had, yeah, I've just always fallen in love in a sort of
1: serial love way. I love, I love that song. I love that song so much. And I, when I was a teenager, I loved it too. And it's that whole like, oh, it's so tragic, you know, Juliet. You know, when we made love, you used to cry. It's all like, oh, it's doomed, but it's fabulous yeah. because I doomed Bittersweet it. Bittersweet and all serenading up on balconies
2: and yeah, and also yeah, it's just it's lovely and it's obviously totally unrealistic as we get older and we realise that. But I just remember spending hours and hours listening to sort of romantic songs. I remember Nick Young writing. He bought me a Rolling Stones album on vinyl, obviously, when I was, I don't know, 15. So 1984. And he he wrote a, a Shakespearean sonnet all around the edge of the inner of the sleeve oh in his God. lovely, scrawly Nick oh. Young writing. What happened to Nick Young? Where is this person? Oh, oh. I just have to tell you what happened to Nick Young and I hope he is listening because Nick Young resurfaced. So Nick Young resurfaced some years ago on Facebook with a now, he's, his I won't say what his full name is, but he's now got a double barreled surname. So Nick, mm-hmm. then two parts to his surname. Nick, not so young. <laughs> Nick's getting quite <laughs> old. And Nick, and he appeared, on, he sent me a Facebook friend request. I didn't know who it was. And then I looked at it and it he was the boy that everyone wanted to snog at school. Oh, he no. is the—I mean, he is a devastatingly attractive <laughs> adult man. Oh damn I was it! Like, wow, my first age pet, like a fine he's wine. Aged well. I—I I think he might be quite the mess emotionally, from the few bits I gathered on. But the deep, best-looking
0: ones always are. Yeah, deep
2: social media dive did lead me to some answers to some questions. But yeah, Ooh. and then he disappeared again. But I mean, fully disappeared off social media, leaving little footprint.
0: Wow. Maybe he's a spy.
2: Can I, feel I just like, we should like, do an episode
0: sit- about this guy instead of the
2: couple? <laughs> yeah, he's an, ex- he's an ex. I think
1: me and Nick Young could be this episode, to be fair. Literally, I'm into it. <laughs> so when you said Nick Young, I fell in love with Nick Young. In my head, I was like, oh, that must be like an she's pop star. Yeah, I F- thought that at first as like, well. I was like, no, no that's like, Paul Young. It's like not Kirshen. Paul Young. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> it was actual, actual <laughs> Nick Young, yeah. Oh, well. Speaking of getting better with age, there we go. Your couple are a vintage, a vintage. Uh, but as always, little Chantelle, look at that beautiful little base. You no, know she no idea who we're okay. even talking about. Oh, she Chantel, doesn't know. How
2: old are you? Seven.
1: I know. <laughs> I'm just so teeny tiny. Because they did
2: get together quite a long time well, well, ago. Whoa, 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 So, oh, no, no, okay, no, we no, Have
0: got a clue? Whoa, well, oh, oh,
1: whoa, oh, oh. whoa, whoa, whoa! So. Chantelle, I can tell you that our couple got together in 2001. Okay,
0: okay, I mean.
1: A quiet year, a quiet year. Uh, I happens. can tell you, just to set the scene, of what was going on. 2001, Wikipedia is launched, Billie Eilish is born. Oh my God. And the- oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs>
0: yeah, hold no on, I need to go drink. Hang, hang on. Today.
1: Sorry, I need to go lie down for a second. <laughs> and the world reels from the tragedy unfolding on our tv screens that was of course the launch of two pints of lager and a packet of crisp please yeah but that wasn't the only thing that happened in 2001 because she went from queen of the corsets to the corpse bride
0: oh my god but- um so it's Helen bottom Carter, and is it tim burton <laughs> It must yes. be Tim burning. Yes. Oh my god, yes. our generations, Mia Farrow, and Woody Allen living in separate houses. Yes. Oh, I love it. Let's get involved. Yes. Been <laughs> waiting fool, for I, them. Oh, this is going I a genuinely
1: requested. I genuinely was worried. I was like, that's just one clue. I genuinely was thinking, oh, maybe I need but I couldn't think of any more clues, but why? I mean, I'm that's a goodie. If if you that's
2: haven't good. got it from that, I think you need to just get off the How podcast and find something else to do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, good choice, Callie. Uh, it was when Gwenya mentioned the podcast, she hadn't even finished
0: the sentence. I was like, I've got my couple. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of thing we want. That's the dream guest we want. Knows I knew my couple. So, of
1: course, uh, Callie, you were talking about the director, Tim Burton, and his marriage to the British actress, Helena Boehm-Carter. But when, when did you first come upon them as a couple? Why? Why do they matter to you?
2: Well, they matter to me because they are contemporaneous. Well, she's a little bit older than me, but not a lot older than me. He's obviously older than anyone else in the world, but she's my kind of age. She also our worlds sort of overlap a bit, not as much as I'd like them to oh, in my own pretend brag. life. Here we go. But I worked with um, a family member of hers for some time. I grew up sort of grew up. My twenties were populated by watching her and stuff, and she also that the. the infamous two houses is in a 19, sort of 1930s, an Art Deco block very near where I live. So I became oh, wow. aware of them and I've got a friend who's very good friends with Tim Burton. So oh I felt God. like I was mm, orbiting, around, but only because I live around here and I'm ancient. So you could just name any sort of fairly old person in North London from a dustman to an A-lister and I probably have some connection. <laughs> so, so I sort of was very aware of her, partly on screen and partly in the neighbourhood I remember um, her kids are considerably younger than my kids, but I, well, not considerably actually, but a bit younger. And I remember when Jake, my first, who's now 26, I used to ride up and down England's Lane. I've got a vintage Vespa and that was a route that I used to oh. go to take. I don't come where I was taking the kids, but I used to. And I had a special little thing built on the back of the Vespa so the kids could go on the back and Jake. When he was... He would have been about three. And I remember riding my vintage Vespa along England's Lane in Belsize Park. And she lived just off there. And she would see us quite often. I must have been doing that journey similar time to her. And she would always like wave. And she loved the Vespa. So... I feel like what I'm trying to say is we're really best friends.
0: Best friends, yeah. Really best so you feel friends. like you have, a, so you have yeah. an insight into this She's because really you were close. there when they broke
2: up. She would pick me. If you said, do you want to come on the podcast? She'd be like, I'd like to pick Callie and her kid's Callie and, yeah. and
0: Nick Young. <laughs> Nick Young, yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I just always felt that sort of, and I was fascinated. Also, as sort of women our kind of age, I don't think people realize, sorry, the dog's just come in. I don't think my current love, I don't think people realize how... <laughs> it was so unusual for a female a kind of a female actor to be as she was so she didn't conform mm. to sort of stereotype of looking conventional she was very unconventional and enormously talented and had a bit of a fuck you this is how i'm going to do it thing Which, let's not underestimate, when she was starting out and taking big roles in the 90s, that was not what women were doing on screen. So I also think let's give her a moment, give her her credit as Mm. breaking through some glass ceilings on behalf of lots of us.
0: Can I interject before Grindr gets into their history that I'm going to... Guess that the reason she had that fuck you attitude is because she came from fuck you money, <laughs> so she yes, could she went to the same... very much afford to be like I'm going to dress the way I want to dress. I don't give I f- I don't need this job. <laughs> That's true.
2: Although <laughs> it does can, go,
0: you can go either way. can't you? you can really conform when you come from money, or you very can true. rebel,
2: or you can rebel in a fake rebel way, but actually you're just as. Mm un and I think I mean yeah she went to sixth form with um Adam Buxton and Louis Theroux and all that lot she went to Westminster school which in sixth Mm -hmm. form is a is a co-educational school and you can sort of tell she's from that group you know but when you hear her talk about those school days you know she would she didn't I think she always felt like she didn't belong anywhere and that's probably the other reason I love her she didn't feel too good for anything she was like I don't really know how to belong so I'll make a virtue of not belonging and what an amazing role model that is for any of us.
0: Mm-hmm. Not well, to mention um, the bone structure. There you go, the bone
1: structure and the boned corsets. What a combo! Honestly, oh my god! I'm sorry, I'm going to have to interrupt you because somebody has just throwing a brick through my window. Literally a and brick. Scrolled on the a literally a brick wow. and scrawled on the brick. They've just written. But what about their star signs? It happens so, every week. Oh, uh, I bet it does. Isn't that uncanny? <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you, Helena, uh, May twenty-sixth gemini oh okay she's a gemini gal tim august 25th uh-oh he's oh, a leo man. king
2: that's We're the same leo. birthday as my son i didn't know that
0: wowzer well pay attention then you're about to hear a lot about leo okay
2: i'm gonna try and cross apply this between burton
1: and Beaton. <laughs> burton and Beaton. so gemini Helena and Leo, Tim, have so much fun that it could make the rest of the Zodiac envious. Oh
0: my God.
1: They both consider their best day spent in laughter. Their main challenge is the difference in their approach to change and they both need to make room for small adjustments in their behaviour if they want their relationship to last. Leo, Tim, will need to make room for more movement and understand what seems to be flakiness of their changeable Gemini-Helena partner. Sounds like that. While Gemini-Helena will have to understand that Leo, Tim, is in fact keeping them together for however long they're meant to last. Their mutual respect can usually overcome any boundaries and they should keep having fun and building their relationship on a solid foundation of childish joy. Okay, Callie, what percentage do you think, according to their Zodiac, signs this match has of working what do you think
2: well I guess spoiler alert we kind of know the outcome (laughs) but we also know (laughs) that it did really work when it worked so I I agree and I think everything you described is what I would like to think was the case and actually they speak about that especially she speaks about that quite fondly now so I think it's pretty bang on and maybe if you don't believe that relationships are for life which I know is contentious but if we imagine that there are a series of lovely things that we may not regret but don't last forever maybe they were meant to be
0: so yeah we, need, what, a number, we need a number Callie <laughs> eight eight <8%. 8%. laughs> percent oh I'm gonna go with everything Callie said but I'm gonna give them a high number because I okay. am I very much agree I think they were a successful successful pairing I would say I'm going to say 92%. Oh, it's percentages, 80%. (laughs) Oh, 80%. Okay, you were doing out of 10. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I'm not just a low marker. I thought it was really odd after everything you said. You're like, 8% (laughs) fucker. I was like, okay. 80, 80. 80, okay. Well,
1: Callie, you came very close because according to their astrological charts, this match had an 82%. There you
0: go. She nailed it. Nailed
2: it. I know these people like I've lived with them. And they well, didn't even live with each other. Have. They didn't even live together, <laughs> but I was there joining them.
0: You're ferrying between both houses. I was right there
2: with them.
1: <laughs> you were on your little Vespa outside, peeping <laughs> in.
2: Just making sure they came to no
1: trouble. <laughs> uh-huh. So let's have a look at their emotional CV before they met each other. So mm-hmm. Helena a Bone Carter, she was born in Islington, London so her father came from a very prominent British political family he was a merchant banker her mother psychotherapist so her paternal grandmother was a politician and feminist Violet Boehm Carter who was the daughter of Lord Asquith the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom my
0: goodness good genes good legacy yeah
1: she was so fancy. Princess Margaret was a family friend.
2: Oh my God. I mean, we can all say that, can't we?
1: <laughs> it sounds like a euphemism, doesn't it? Like, Princess Margaret was a family friend. Yeah, it's like exactly. a code word for get me out of here.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> code word for alcoholism in the family. Yeah. Well, yeah. Princess Margaret was a family friend. <laughs> <laughs> gonna <laughs> start using that. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, it was not all tiaras and cocktails for Helena Bonham Carter growing up. When she was 5, her mother had a series of nervous breakdowns which took years to recover. Then her dad was diagnosed with acoustic neuroma. He suffered complications after an operation and then had a stroke and then ended up in a wheelchair. Her brothers were at university, so Helena Boncarter was left to cope with all of this by herself.
0: Okay, i take She's, back what I said about good stuff. Yeah,
2: <laughs> all these push ones are very flawed. They give with one hand, <laughs> they
0: take it with the other. Yeah, seriously. There's
1: a lot going on, on at home. She said from this period, I remember thinking, well, I have a choice. I can either be sad or create my own reality by acting. Fantasy is much easier than real life. Mm.
0: Oh, wow. Isn't that the truth? To haunt you.
1: So, Kelly, I'm sorry. I'm seeing real passions. Between you and Helena Bourne Carter. Yeah, definitely. What do you
0: know about Kelly's
2: parents? (laughs) Well, the weird thing is, um, because it's interesting, she went to a boys school um, and it was predominantly boys still when she went to it. And I was, as you may know, um, I was educated in a boys school from when I was seven because my parents taught there. And it was an incredibly privileged private school. So I was mixing with the kids of film stars, royalty, but we had no money. I was in that school because my parents taught there. So Mm -hmm. it was literally like the Oliver Twist of, and the wrong gender. I was the wrong gender and the wrong class and of the wrong uh, economic background. Apart from that, I fitted right in. It fitted me like a glove. (laughs) So I do really understand that idea of just absolutely not belonging. And sort of like, and then you just, you attach yourself to a fake, not fake, a different version of yourself on stage, a version you can be in love. I very much relate to, I think I'm Helena Bonham Carter without the talent and the bone structure. I think that's pretty much it.
0: Just the money. Just the money. No, it didn't even have the money.
2: We just had the sort of poshness. I was just in a posh world, but for no good reason. Well,
1: so like Callie, like you, she's ambitious, she's hardworking. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the age of 16, she decides, right, sod this, I'm going to pursue a career as an actor. Uh, she starts appearing in ads, and by 18, she's filming A Room with
0: I you. remember
2: that, and I loved the book. And I loved
0: her in the film. I had no idea she was that young. That's wild. Yeah.
1: So she's 18. But uh, interestingly enough, she carried on living at home with her parents. Oh, so she's clever. now a famous uh, film actress. She's still living at home with her parents. She later explains she felt if she remained a child, it would somehow make up for what happened to her parents. Mm-hmm. She's very protective of them. Yeah. So she
0: ends up, she just lives at home until she's 30. Oh my God. That's where we differ. Yikes. Did she literally move out of the home with her parents into the home with Tim Burton, <laughs> into the home next door to Yeah, far off? Yeah, be- yeah. 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 Oh my God. Because
1: even then, when she did finally move out when she was 30, she already moved down the road. because they were all local to here. They were
2: all Bell Size yeah. Park. Family, I remember it, yeah. Hampstead Jesus. Park.
1: Yeah.
0: Helena, spread your
2: wings, sweetheart. Yeah. Cut yeah. the corner. If you, if my you God. live in that area, why move? I mean, that's the area we spend <laughs> our lives trying to afford. And she was just right in it.
0: It's true.
1: quite sheltered, she's literally still living at home with her parents. From this period, the only big relationship we know about was with a, a little boy, you may have heard, little Kenny Brunner.
0: Yes,
1: uh, so of course. she right. of course, yeah, yeah. Kenneth Brunner on the set of Frankenstein.
2: Was this pre-Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branner?
0: Well, you would know yep. if you listened to our Kenneth Branner and Emma Thompson podcast, we did about them as a couple. So it was after... <laughs> Yes, and some would say there maybe was a slight overlap. Yes, I did but we wonder. Uh, I think comment. Emma Thompson would say that. Yeah. Uh, so let's just leave
1: her. She's down the road from her mum and dad. She's sat in her little kitchen. She's sad. She's just broken up with Kenneth Branagh. So let's leave little Helen there and let's go across. Let's fly across the Atlantic Ocean to a little country called the United States of America <laughs> and find out what's the story with Tim Burton. So he grew up in California. I think his parents are quite eccentric because his mother, Jean, would go on to own a cat themed gift shop. Nice. And uh, his dad, Bill, was a former minor league
0: baseball player. Oh, Oh that's a tall minor fairy. league as well That's so good A minor league Also no one can Maybe really prove you... That wasn't the case Because it's not good Yeah exactly but Just say what
2: you like If it's minor league
0: That's great yeah. A minor league baseball There's so You just told a whole life story <laughs> yeah. In three words <laughs> there like. There's so much yeah. there It's a real
1: American short story isn't It really it? is It's like <laughs> John Irvin's Coming to play <laughs> <laughs> So he studies animation At university Then when he's quite young He gets married To Lena Gizecki, a German-born artist. Exciting. Golly, That's a passion. Isn't it? Is. Is. Yeah. So they get divorced in nineteen ninety-one after four years of marriage. Then he will go on to meet model and actress Lisa Marie. Oh, oh, yes, yeah, I forgot that episode. So she becomes like his his big muse. Yeah, She's like his muse. first. Yeah. And she was Gorgeous. She looked really striking, like a really gorgeous, like, 30s film star. Mm-hmm. She yes. a great face. They start going out in 1992. And she, and this is going to be a theme, for the, a theme for Tim, she then appears in lots of his films. She's in Sleepy Hollow. She's in Ed Wood. She's in Mars Attacks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Tim is this, like, super cool Hollywood director, Helena Bone Carter. She is sad, sat in her kitchen, (laughs) eating (laughs) beans on toast, going, oh, God, I've been dumped by Kenneth Branagh. Can you imagine? (laughs) I can imagine. Imagine. I can imagine. (laughs) So, she gets a phone call. She's on her holidays. She gets a phone call from Tim Burton he's making Planet of the Apes that's
2: right Planet of the Apes Okay, sure, oh my
1: god that, that's where they met I've, I've forgotten about this he's making Planet of the Apes she, he rings up and Helena says he said don't take this the wrong way but you're the first person I thought of to play a chimpanzee what a
2: opening what line. an imperfect. perfect oh wow yeah. <laughs> he's got
1: he's got form hasn't he alright <laughs> so Helena this is Helena I thought he's never met me but he's got me He's got <laughs> That's not what I'd
2: think, but good ones. I've been waiting so for a nice man anonymous. to say that my
1: whole life. Exactly. <laughs> what a nice woman. But he, then Alina continues, but he said, I've got this funny intuitive feeling that you like to cover up. And I said, You're completely right. This is a quite intense I think it's also like it's kind of obvious
2: when someone has all that sort of gothic. She literally would go around in veils and corsets and being (laughs) otherworldly. I think we all could see she liked to cover up. Like, good idea. I totally agree.
0: Yeah. Hi, Helena. So I have a crazy idea that you're a bit kooky. Yeah, Oh my God, you get me. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: they start working on The Plunge of the Apes. This is what Lena says. Remember, he is still going out with poor old Lisa Marie. Mm -hmm. She's actually in the film. Lisa Marie is in Planet of the Apes. I bet he didn't cast her as a chimp. (laughs) She she doesn't like to cover up. No, she does not. She doesn't like to cover up. Not in the least. So, um, Lena said about working with him on Planet of the Apes, he's very shy and I was dressed as an ape all the time, so we didn't really collide. The we've all been conver- there <laughs> classic boy meets girl <laughs> that Girl's old sentence <laughs> the first conversation we had which was pretty much the only one throughout the film was about Hampstead there you go um, all
2: roads lead to Hampstead
1: <laughs> apparently he told her it's the only place he felt he truly belonged well that's really? a first
2: world problem, isn't it? <laughs> but
1: seriously, who talks like this? Hampstead? Oh my Even god. Even if I thought that, I wouldn't be
2: articulating it aloud.
1: <laughs> Thank you, right? <laughs> so there's sparks, there's vibes. There's so much sparks and vibes that and again, it basically with this relationship, it's just it's basically what we can cleave from interviews with Alina Bone Carter. There's not that much Tim doesn't really talk about He doesn't about go it, on what,
2: record with anything really, does he? Yeah, that's very
1: true. But what I can tell you is who was really pissed off by this, poor
2: old Lisa, Lisa Marie. Marie. Yeah. Oh, God, she had a few
0: things to was say. Was this before okay. she
2: went off with Michael Jackson?
0: <laughs> no, it's not, it's not Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, no,
2: it's other Lisa Marie. <laughs> it's <the> other Lisa. <laughs> I'd like it to be Lisa Marie Presley.
0: Oh, my
1: God. That'd be amazing. That, wouldn't that be a good intrigue? That, that, I would buy that memoir. 100%. I would write that memoir. From the creator of scissor hands to actual scissor hands. <laughs> so, poor old Lisa Marie, she's been dumped by Tim Burton for Helena Bone Carter. So, as a way of, because she said that he had this, sort of, he promised her that he would look after her financially for the rest of her life. And then she sort of claims that he kind of reneged on his promise. That's a big so, statement to say. So, to kind of get her dues in other ways. She organised a big auction of all Tim Burton I stuff. I remember reading that's about how you this. Do it. Yes, and that's, that's some how good you do stuff, it. isn't it?
0: As well, distinct. Don't get angry. Get even, Get everything. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, poor old Lisa Marie. Uh, she was. She got her little trestle table out. She had all the Edward Scissorhands memorabilia ready to go. Wow. Uh, but then Tim Burton's people came in and quietly.
2: Oh, all young the stuff girl. Back. So oh, she's still boy. got some money
1: because I guess they put in some decent dollarage for that. Yeah. So we salute Lisa Marie as she leaves our narrative because oh. now it's all about Tim and Helena. So they walk the red carpet for the first time for the premiere of Planet of the Apes um, in 2001. And then a few years into dating, Helena finds out that Tim had actually made a sketch of her 10 years before before they had met this is where i would leave i'd get all my stuff and go (laughs) what he had drawn a sketch of her 10 years before they met wow as a chimp or
2: just as as a model
1: (laughs) (laughs) how would you feel kelly how would you feel if you're like somebody's like flirting with you and being like yeah i i want to see you dressed up as a monkey
2: I can answer this question not so much the monkey no one's asked me to dress up as a monkey yet but I'm only 54 (laughs) um and I live in hope but um I do a guy that I was seeing very casually sent me a picture he was like doing it with his work he was traveling around the place and then he sent me a picture like a phone a picture a picture he took on his phone of a sketch he'd done of me that was really intricate. And I was like, I do not want to see you again. That was weird. It was weird. Oh, So I no. feel like I had my oh, mini Burton moment. God. And I was like, I don't want to see my mini Burton again.
0: God, you really uh, are so connected to this couple, Kelly. Aren't, I,
2: aren't I? He wasn't called Tim, though. No, he wasn't called Tim. As far
0: as you know. You I mean, who knows? And he was,
2: I think, in the States. He was American, we actually, this guy. He was American.
0: <laughs> so
1: if you think about Helena, though, so she's she's very... I was gonna say closeted. That's not the way she's very sort of protected. She's been mm-hmm. living with her parents till she was 30 years old. The her her only previous relationship was with the her director, yeah. who's in a position of power. Now she's met Tim Burton, also a director. Mm-hmm. Position of power. Was there age?
2: Was there a big age gap between them? A decent 20? age gap, isn't there, between them? It's like twelve years, something like that. 13. Twelve years. He's twelve years older than That's also one of my favorite age gaps. I very often dated with a twelve or thirteen year age gap.
0: Another connection. There Here we, we go. I think by the end of this episode, Kelly's going to actually be in a relationship with both Tim Burton and Helena Bonham I Carter. am, <laughs> and I'm going to do the remake
1: of Room with a View.
0: And we're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Do you think she it, it just felt comfortable for her? Maybe she, you know, because she had all that trauma when she was a teenager, mm-hmm. she just sort of felt, this felt sort of reassuring to have somebody else in control. As an older man lover,
2: it's got tricky at my age, but it was fine. It was fine to a point. But I think it is, I'm still trying to unravel this for myself, but I think there is, I mean, obviously there's a bit of a sort of dad issue if you go with someone who's as much older as that. That's a significant age you know, age gaps, different music, different cultural references. And I still find it inordinately comforting. I find the company of older men very comforting.
0: Mm, Not funny, just sad. (laughs) Now that's a memoir title. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, that's what every review I've ever had has said. (laughs) But I I think older men, you know, with somebody
1: like Tim Burton, he's got very sort of clear idea of, of who he is, his vision, mm-hmm. he's very creative, he's very ambitious. That's very attractive. Well, it's also that there's something about the introvert, the sort of slightly troubled introvert.
2: So that's totally. very appealing. We all think mm-hmm. we're going to fix them, that they've only ever come out of their introvertism for us. And my yeah. friend Charlotte has a lovely way of describing people like Tim Burton who have that sort of introvert, but look at me combo, which is yep. reversing into the limelight. And Very well yeah, put, yeah. And he made her feel seen by telling her she didn't yes. like to be seen
1: mm-hmm. yes it's very like he i mean he you know he is edward scissorhands so he's that like doomed trouble too sensitive for this world and she's the winona rider character mm. the beautiful girl who's going to save him i mean very
0: much that, so it had to go I mean, that, that way that is
1: everybody had their oh. role
0: Do we know whose idea it was to live in the separate houses? Okay, so the big thing about Helena and
1: Tim, the two most iconic parts of their relationship is their working relationship and, of course, their housing situation. Mm -hmm. So we've established she just moved down the road from her mum and dad. Luckily, the house next door to her house was available. So Tim moves in. So this is basically every interview with Timolina is basically yeah. It's always about, about this. Apparently, hers there was a communal door that connected the two houses. Yep. I remember. Hers that. was girly. His was all gothic, containing skeletons and weird things and floor lights in neon
0: shades. Really? This sounds like this is like made up. It sounds like a teenage like boy's, boy's bedroom. Imagined. No wonder yeah. she didn't a piece of that. Oh. <laughs> did she just walk in and go, I'll get my own place. Exactly. we don't we <laughs> all find a way to remortgage and fund that. Right. Fucking hell.
1: <laughs> so apparently uh, Helena's side was cozier. She had a fireplace and apparently she kept her own bedroom and sort of kitchen. And then his side was all weird and obviously. And then when the kids came along, they kind of moved into Tim's side because there was more room. Okay. And they're messy children. I would always find a way to say, I think they're going to be
0: best at your
2: side. And then yeah. i went get into my pristine little fireplacey, chintzy, lovely space. Knowing all the carnage was there. That would be lovely.
0: Now, I like, like how they describe her places. Oh, her place was weird and cosy. She had a fireplace. Yeah. Like she just had a nice house. <laughs> exactly. it was a, a totally normal yeah. place. Yeah. I love like his side. It's like, you know,
1: you're wandering into a Tim Burton film. And then her side is like, it's like, the, you know, if the lighting changes, the different camera lenses used. Yeah. It's suddenly like Merchant Ivory. She's yeah. got a cottage. She's got a little fireplace. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's in completely. a haunted house. Wow. So in two thousand and three, so two years after they get together, mm-hmm. they have their first child, Billy Ray Burton.
0: Did they ever um, get married? Sorry, did they married. ever actually get married? Didn't they? Oh. they didn't, did they? Well, you see, this thing we do, they talk about being
1: div- they splitting up into fours, but nobody's ever sure if that was just the language it was they used the language.
2: or if they ever. I'm confident on this point. Or you would know. As I would a know close as part. from a their uh, intimate arrangement.
0: That's right. Yeah. She was, she lived in the hallway. Yeah, I the was houses. in the communal
2: area most days. And I assure you, I never saw evidence of a marriage.
1: <laughs> was it just you making some coffee and then Tim and Helena go, coming in and you they going, walking just walk in. Oh, uh, Kelly, yeah.
0: how's that Nick Young going? Exactly. I never really fitted into
2: either. I wasn't quite merchant ivory enough. I wasn't quite gothic enough. So they were like, you just stay in the hall. But between, <laughs> in between as has always been your way. <laughs>
1: So again, uh, then we're back to more interviews about their bloody housing situation. Uh, this is what Lena <laughs> <Alina> said. <says. coughs> uh, so after they had emotional the... now. Now we've talked yeah. about tea in the
2: hall. She's like, you speak my language.
1: I did not have room to house children. Put it that way. I lived in a cottage. I did always think, God, wouldn't it be ideal if Mr. Wright lived next door? Because then I'd have room to put all the bedrooms in. So that's what... <laughs> tim's house is basically the family house and i kept my bedroom and my kitchen sounds dreamy
2: (laughs) it's not a bad i've always thought i'd sooner do it the other way around i've never lived with anyone since my kid's dad and we split up 20 years ago but i do have a very small shed painted like a beach hut in the garden and i've always thought i wouldn't mind if there was someone i really fell for if they lived in there that would be okay, yeah. but I would no way I'd have them living here, and I wouldn't give them the bigger house. They could have the little, tiny, weeny place. Yeah, like I'm them.
0: with you. And I I'll will say it's got space. no
2: plumbing, no electricity. It's literally a very small garden shed. <laughs> I can't, so I can't, why are you a single I don't guy? know, it's unfathomable. <laughs> no one understands. Please come live in my shed in the garden. <laughs> yeah, that's six feet long. <laughs> and I like tall men. <laughs> tall, older men who are <laughs> tall, old more men. fragile to the elements. Yeah, but it's very close to the soil,
1: which I feel at a certain age is very efficient. Just keep on sinking. <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> um, so this is again, as she's talking about their, their house again, Helena. Um no, my no. house looks like something out of Beatrix Potter. But if you go over to his house, you're in a totally different place. He's got slime balls and dead umpalumpas lying about and skeletons and weird alien lights.
0: I'm beginning to wonder why she was with this guy. now <laughs> that because I mean.
1: he sort of reversed into her limelight.
2: No, that's
0: right, that's right. <laughs>
1: His side is messier My side is cutesy Which is fine for him to visit But there's no way he could live in it He thinks his side is James Bond But I have the kitchen and a fire So usually we'll watch telly in my place There is no normality in life Having two houses means We get to get out of each other's hair Which, let's face it We both have got quite a lot of Fair
2: Good line See, everyone's a comedian Aren't they? (laughs) I got that from you in the hallway you gave things. them their best lines <laughs> but the sad thing is i used to cite them as the kind of what i wanted i to think be. everyone yeah. did
0: i think everyone they did they were like Kelly. the ones
2: and then i was totally like, oh. and also how much do you have to hate someone you don't even live with and aren't married to to divorce them it's like you've that's you've <laughs> almost no connection how bad was it
0: you're so right, though. I think they were literally like the cool girls. Yeah, like, oh, that's what I, I. don't want to live with a guy. I can just and I think I think we did it as well because we kind of thought like, oh, it kind of makes us look like we're not clingy and we're not needy yes. and that's what guys will be into and stuff. But the uh, sort of there's elements of it I get, but I'm with you. The older I get, the more like, well, actually, I don't know. Like it does sound a bit like. Did you guys ever really get along that way? No, to me, it sounds great.
2: I still think it's fantastic. I'm standing by the arrangement. All I would do, I wouldn't bother with a divorce or a public announcement. I would just brick up the connecting bits. (laughs) I might reconfigure and put the bricking up a little further into his space. So I got a little bit of the space. And then I'd be like, I wish you well behind your brick wall. You may now exit via the gift shop instead of the communal area. (laughs)
1: he would slowly by slowly sort of divide the bill so he would sort of get his own electricity bills, yeah. his own net you know, his own TV license and then Never his own that fireplace be this- though, because that's
2: a power move. <laughs> He's never getting a fireplace. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, we're already planning for their demise. But remember, in the world of our podcast, they are still very much together. She's living, she's knitting by her open fire. He's James Bonding with his, his dead umpa So we're in the empire phase of their relationship. So, Callie, go on a little journey with us, if you will. It is the late 2000s. The phone's ringing. You know, it's it's just from up the bloody road. It's Selena Bone Carter saying, hey... Callie, we saw you outside on your Vespa bike. We were just wondering, would you like to go on a, a night out with me and Tim? We've got babysitter. Do you fancy a night out? So what do you think a night out with Helena and, and Tim would be like? This is normally a question of
2: fantasy, but in this case, it's I'm just I'm going to tell Callie you what we used to do memory. every Tuesday night. I would go around to their house. and No, I think that what they would do is I think there would be... Um, I think I'm thinking like just a normal pub. I think at some point a normal London pub would fit in a very kind of like we're understated. Totally no, we agree. We don't think anyone's looking at us. What do you mean we're standing looking like Dickensian extras in the corner? Why is <laughs> that? <noticed?" laughs> right. And then I think, um, and so there'd be a bit of like we're just we're just regular guys and girls. But then they would end up on um, I couple what these um, what the club you know the private members clubs like the Soho House for like the literary set. They'd end up in a sort of yep. writers expensive exclusive subtle you know there's a dark door mm. on a street hidden in soho and they know the way in and and then no one bothers them because that is the place they often are and that's tim and helena's table so um yeah and then um you know obviously she would uh, whip a toffee apple out of her handbag at some point <laughs> because she doesn't <laughs> like olives and uh that would be and then you know obviously because the babysitter is um, is someone's niece off the school run? Because at the end of the day, they are just living a very sort of suburban life in Beresford totally Park and the school run. They all belly. Yeah, pain. they got to get back. Um, so I don't think it'll be a late night. I don't think anyone's doing class A's. A couple of pints, a little bit of a pretentious chat in the corner of a basement in Soho, and um, yeah, and him dominating the entire evening through his silence.
0: I was just going to ask you what their dynamic was and do you think she's the chitty chatty one chatting to you and gossiping and such and he's just kind of silently all the simmering and in a sort of like, brooding and yeah, there's a kind of like brooding male presence interesting yeah, okay
2: yeah. and all that kind of like she, is anyone looking at me and his weird colored glasses yeah that kind of thing
1: and do you think she is she how is she interacting with him is she humoring him is she pandering to him is she trying to get him to join in she's working hard to get him
2: out of his shell and feeling quite responsible yep. for the whole social dynamic yeah and a kind of like unspoken don't mind him he often does that it's okay
0: oh he's a bit of a weird yeah, one that one. Tim, him On and yeah the price oh, you pay Tim. to be with a
2: genius and slightly losing herself and being eclipsed mm. by this man when really it should be the other way around because the mighty bonham carter should no. never be eclipsed
1: yeah but i haven't yes. thought about it yes you know <laughs> So he's sort of brooding, bit contrary. Oh, he's always like this when he's thinking about his next film. Oh yes. That's him. Yeah. Making excuses. Making excuses. Then home before it's the the northern line finishes. Yeah, exactly. That's right. I reckon, you know, eleven twenty-five, everyone's in bed, but not in a fun way. <laughs> yeah. Well, so this is what she how she says they changed each other. So, Helena said, again, this is... it's Helena's the one... He, she's our correspondent from this relationship. Mm-hmm. She said, he's made me more aware. He thinks I overact all the time. People who know him say, I've changed him and I feel really flattered that I've made him talk more. Mm-hmm. He didn't really talk before... He's much shyer than me. Every sentence was unfinished. I used to say he was a home for abandoned sentences, but now he actually finishes them. What progress.
0: Yeah, right? <laughs> wow. It seems like a lot of work coming from one it side. It does.
2: This is exhausting. I would want that. i a finisher
1: yeah. in a different house. <laughs> it's exactly what you had in your vision. It is. Uh, she, she also says, Tim says to take seven things off before I go out. Coco Chanel said one. Tim says at least seven because
0: too much is going on. But I hate being boring. That was her after she took seven things off. <laughs> Today, because it's a Jesus. summer's day at
2: my little kitchen table in Kentish Town. If I took three things off, I would be naked. So, exactly. Terrible <laughs> advice for me on a summer's day. Oh.
0: Oh my God! Like what? What else did she have exactly. on? She, used she to have always a lot. had about veils 46. and
2: top hats and so corsets much. and tuxedos and bustles and
1: crinolines.
0: So she must have started with forty-seven. Yeah, there was <laughs> and a, a lot was like, whoa, to whoa.
1: go. Whoa. A lot to go through. <laughs> so then, two thousand and seven, they have their second child, Nell, but they carry on working together. So this is to gives us a sort of a glimpse into what their working dynamic was like. Mm-hmm. She said, Tim asked me to have a meeting at his office. This was unusual for at the time I shared a home with him and our two young children down the other end of the road from the office. So what was so important that he couldn't ask me over Cheerios? So he requests a meeting with her, even though they're they're living together. So seated at his desk, he announced quite formally, I have something very important to ask you. So at this point, I thought he was going to ask me to marry him. But then he said, I wonder if you would consider playing the Red Queen in my film of Alice in Wonderland. And before I could respond, he shoved a sketch toward me. Look, it's got to be you because I've drawn you without intending to.
0: And it was again with the drawing. Again, bloody hell. Uh, She said It was a sketch Of an
1: overly Large headed Scowling queen Frankly This was better Than a marriage proposal And better than a chimp To be fair
0: Yeah Much better (laughs) I was going to ask What kind of success They Because the Planet of the Apes Wasn't exactly A great start In terms of Like them working together Because that film did Pretty They badly did well alcohol. after that, though. They had some cool But after that, it was like one hit mm. after another. So, the two here is a list of all the films they made together
1: uh, Planet of the Apes, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Dark Shadows, Big Fish, Corpse Bride, Alice in Wonderland, Sweeney Todd. So Watching Towards
0: the End was actually more successful than oh, the movie, Big I'd Fish. Say. If you
2: haven't seen Big Fish, I forgot about Big Fish. That was, oh my God, I watched that in LA and I wept for about a day. Oh, I love Kelly I, I loved
1: it. I, I was, it was like a family funeral. We lived and breathed much. it, all
0: of us, didn't we, by the plan. Oh, same. The bit at the end when he's running with him I and holding the chair. Oh. I can't even. It's, I don't actually remember her in it. <laughs> I just
2: don't remember her
1: part in it. But I'm so, sure she oh, was. Okay, Anyways. so you could say he was difficult and he was maybe, you know, a bit of hard work to live with. But he did transform her career. 100%. He, he helped change the image that the public had of her being this porcelain, merchant and ivory, a heroine to this, all these amazing, complex, different roles. So surely there's something very romantic, intoxicating about that. There's somebody who's so brilliant in the field that you're so passionate about, seeing you and then giving you all these opportunities. That's controlling, coercive, and in a cosmopolitan magazine quiz, big red flag.
0: (laughs) Big red flag. And I would argue as well that that did happen... Two years before they met in a little film you may have heard of called Fight Club, which as much as I don't like that film anymore yes. now, that did change a lot of people's opinions about it, Helena Loving Carter. That is very true. That was a Good massive point. change. Well made. Thank you. So it wasn't um, down to Tim; it was her and David Fincher. There you
1: go. <laughs> so also again from Helena, she sort of describes how working with Tim could be difficult. So okay. on on the set of Sweeney Todd. Which was coming, we're we're coming to the end of their time together. Mm-hmm. She said that things were getting a little bit tense. So she said Johnny Depp was caught in the middle. So you that know things conundrum. are bad.
2: <laughs> once again, once again, I hate in a relationship.
1: But if a Johnny Depp is the one going, oh god, I think you two need to work it out. Yeah, this looks a bit toxic, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So she said, in the end, I realize I shouldn't really have any good ideas. If I have a good I- idea, I should give it to Johnny. If I gave it to Johnny, Johnny would mention it to Tim. And then it was a marvellous idea. If I mentioned it, it would be an absolutely crap idea. So
2: we worked our way through it. I knew oh, that was coming. No. I bring you back to my coercive controlling point.
0: hmm In
1: 2013, photos appear... Oh, of mystery Tim Burton Blonde kissing a blonde woman after the screening of The Wicker Man. That, that would get anyone going, wouldn't it? After screening
2: of <laughs> The Wicker Man, everyone's like, oh, who can I snug?
1: <laughs> <laughs> just Nicolas Cage screaming, oh God, oh God. You know, it just works for me every time. <laughs> and then... A year later, December 2014, they announce their separation. Yeah. Did so, you ever find Cal- out who the blonde was? She just always was a mysterious blonde oh, to me, ages to woman. get the blonde out of my hair.
0: I was gonna say, how long it <laughs> take <took laughs> you to get the to get the red into the hair? What amazing colorist ages. you have, Callie. So Callie, I mean, they
1: they had everything. They had money, they had a career, they had two houses that were next to each other. That work interconnected but architecturally independent. You know, they were Hollywood's golden couple. Why couldn't they make it work? Why do you think Tim and Alina couldn't do last the distance? Well, I think he just answered it with how he was on
2: the set of Sweeney Todd. And also, and I didn't really like his behavior about the Red Queen, to be honest, either. So I think really there's a lot of power in silence. The kind of the man with the, he's got the bigger house, he thinks he's James Bond. Bond but actually he's Adam Ant and it's just exhausting to be with so I think he dominated her he saw that she Mm -hmm. didn't like to be seen and he made her be seen in some ways more like there she was with a massively high profile career and amazing films but I think she got lost behind the mask Mm. and i don't think he helped with that i don't think she was in sweeney todd on set thinking i feel empowered i feel more of myself than i do without him they say don't they the buddhist principle when you're looking at decisions to make in life is is a certain decision going to enlarge or diminish your life experience and he was diminishing her and she had to break free to enlarge herself and probably to enlarge
1: her architectural footprint in the shared accommodation (laughs) Yes. Well, so this is what she says about the the split. She said, I could write a thesis on what happened and it is all absorbing when a relationship breaks down. But I think we're coming through it and I think we'll have something very precious still. Our relationship was always somewhat special and I think it will always remain special. We did find each other and really the mark of a successful relationship shouldn't be whether you're there forever after. Sometimes sometimes you're not meant to be forever together. Sometimes you have to come to terms with the fact that that was it. But that was a gift, a massive gift. We gave each other children and a lot more else. And we might be better and still be able to give to each other, but not necessarily living together. I mean, they never were living together. together. Uh, We'd never lived together. Which we did, by the way. Oh, sorry. It's like she heard us. (laughs)
0: Because everybody seems to think we didn't, but we did.
1: It's okay. Yeah, she is,
0: right? You're the one that kept talking (laughs) about it, sweetheart. Pick a lane. (laughs) Then she carries on. Pick a house.
1: (laughs) We had a weird living arrangement, which now suits us fine. We know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was your USP.
1: That was it. And it's really good because it hasn't caused much change for the children, which is our top priority. And we still operate as a family. So there you go. So they still work together on Alice Through the Looking Glass. Mm -hmm. She worked with Mm -hmm. him. As of 2019, so I presume they're still together. Tim Burton was dating Bond girl, Ava Green. Really? In his fake Bond apartment.
0: Oh
2: my god! my sweetie. That's the only thing that was authentic Bond about his entire abode was an actual Bond <laughs> girl.
0: Wow! Oh my god! His house does sound. I just imagine the smell of his house is like a hamster. And coat. also, I bet really he's musty. got like black
2: linen or purple linen, 100%. like those duvet covers oh. people had at university.
0: So much black and purple. He hasn't washed it in you ages. Can't see, oh. not even enough lighting to see when it was washed. I just imagine whenever Helena came around, she'd sort of absentmindedly to start like doing the dishes and then be like, oh God, never mind, I'm going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you can't help yourself. And, and she couldn't even take his dark
2: sheets back to hers to put in the wash because it would ruin her Cath Kidston tea
1: towels. Uh, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, Helena has been dating Rye Dag Homebo. Easy for okay. you to say. I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm assume is a real person not just a load of scrabble tiles people have just on another grind, <laughs> and he is 21 years her junior she calls him magic wowzer okay tim carried on his passion of dating much younger people that he's ingenues in. whereas she's broken her passion she's not going out with kenneth branagh is she no she's got She's got a little Rydag homebow Listen, we all want one of those on a key ring. <laughs>
2: Does
0: so, it come with batteries? You'd have to buy your own separately. It sounds like something you'd buy in, um, oh God,
1: I can never remember. The the Swedish furniture shop. Ikea. Ikea? It sounds like something you'd buy in Ikea. Yeah. Imagine if I just said that. Yes. Um, so, Callie. We have got now uh, a penultimate question. Really everything that this podcast is leading towards in every split. There's a winner, there's a loser. The one you're worried about, there's one you're happy for. In the great split between Tim Burton and Helena Bohm Carter, who thrived and who simply survived? Who won the breakup?
2: sadly but only because i think he's quite patriarchal underneath it i think he's done fine because and it is it's hard as a midlife woman out and about in the world of love and romance, it's much harder. The odds are not stacked enough. I'm not feeling sorry for myself, but the odds are not stacked in our favor. So unfortunately, because of the power of gender, legacy, and that coercive ban, pretending to be silent because he didn't believe in himself, but actually having titanic self-confidence,
1: mm-hmm. she has been mm-hmm. left
2: shagging a man with the name of a souvenir from Cork Airport
1: and what an amazing couple what 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 a couple what a moment what a time callie we've got one more question for you we do we want to release
0: you into the night back to the wild back to your little place in the corridor between their houses yes as you may or may not know we have a patron saint of the podcast who we ask every single person that comes out or to help us find her someone that can live up to her legacy Gender is not an issue, other people, other partners, none of these are issues. We think anyone would step aside to let someone be with the one, the only, Share, Can you find someone to be with Share? Oh, <laughs> that is a tough one, isn't it? It's a tough hmm. one, but it's a fun one. Because even
2: do- Cher's having trouble being with herself. <laughs> these days like it's hard to find the essence of Cher physically or emotionally anymore.
1: There's not much of the original left. She's she's a concept. Cher is just a concept. Yeah. I think she'd do really well with John Bishop. I think that would be bad. Oh my god
0: That is not what I saw coming. You're sticking with it. Don't change I'm the not answer. Stick it. It's, I'm sticking. I'm it. That I'm is sticking. the strangest one we've had. I'm sticking.
1: But John Bishop. It, what I love about that is I love his next tour show. He goes on stage. He goes, "My wife," and we all know he's talking about Cher. Well, sure. yeah, no,
0: sure. I love that.
1: Yeah. So there you go. That's that's that's
2: what I bequeathed to Cher. Sure. Okay. Okay.
1: But to- wait, 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 wait. I need to break this. So why do you think Cher sure and John Bishop? Would work. Well, opposites <laughs> attract, so I think they're
2: quite yep. different. Uh, they have, you know, she yep. likes a suit and very clean teeth. And He's yep. not
0: bad looking. He's not bad looking. No. His kids- I think she likes a
1: laugh.
2: Yeah, she likes a laugh. Yep. His kids are grown. Um, he's going to need some cosmetic surgery soon. She has the little black book. She's going to say, this is where you need to go mm-hmm. to keep those, mm. you know, those 70s good looks. And <laughs> they both seem to be of another era, another time. And yeah, yeah, I feel they'd be, I think they'd be, I think she'd really like to be backstage when he's doing like one of his arena tours. I think it's per, I think it's perfect. I think his sons would probably really (laughs) like her as a stepmom. They wouldn't like her. Yeah, I think it's good. You just
0: use the word perfect yeah this is a perfect it's pairing per- it jump is per- and i chair. think everybody it's like i think the whole world has just been waiting for that to happen yeah Just imagine them having meals at the first christmas meals that john get the bistro yeah is, yeah, know, yeah. It's, it's perfect they'd
2: have they'd have endorsement deals <laughs> they'd have they'd have <laughs> advertising wouldn't they oh come mm. on i mean the celebrity google oh, books would have better viewing figures <laughs> than <laughs>
0: oh, ever oh my god <laughs> <laughs>
1: They're, they're oh this is becoming
0: the perfect answer You're right
1: they're couples, Their couple
0: name could be Jer. <laughs> so cool. Oh, Kishup This is awful Oh I love it oh, Great answer,
1: thank you for God. that Oh Callie I love how it went from out of left field To the most obvious answer yeah, We make make landed sense. in the yeah. most
2: predictable fashion I just hope really? that everybody
1: Listening didn't get there before me <laughs> 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 oh god! Well, Callie, we've been on a journey. We've stalked your neighbours, and we have we found the perfect, um, perfect love for Share and, and for John Bishop. Where can our listeners find you? What what have you got coming up? Well, I hate to mention another podcast, but obviously this
2: is the the queen of podcasts. But I have my <laughs> Namaste Motherfuckers podcast where I have not yet had um, Helena Bonham Carter or Tim Burton, but that is where they're going to reunite on my podcast. That's Obviously. That's coming next year, yeah. 2024 season. Uh, so I'm doing that. Um, I'm in the process of writing a book, but there'll be more to hear about that soon. And then I'm just doing loads of live stuff, and that's all on my website. So, yes, I'm just, um, you know, doing many, many things.
0: Kellybeaton.com. Kelly Kelly and I also
2: do a lot of, um, as anyone knows i do who follows me i do tons and tons of on insta in particular a lot of reels so my my little insta reels are worth a little follow at Callie Beaton. oh comedian
0: good to know
2: yeah.
1: so at Callie beaten comedian on instagram at uh, namaste motherfuckers for the podcast. Yes, and I, my Callie Beaton
2: it. site has it all on it in one easy break. It's all on there, guys. Oh. Just go there.
1: Threads, Listen. twitch, twat, twat,
2: the whole fucking thing all on one easy <laughs> to follow link. Don't be anybody's
0: muse. Just get on Callie Beaton's website. The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush, so email us
1: on thewaytheywerepod@gmail.com, at gmail.com
0: or find us on twitter at thewaytheywerepod and we're on instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. Thanks to you for listening.
1: Until the next time,
0: goodbye. 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 The, the way they were. They were.